All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of the Sean Steele Law Firm Podcast. I am Alexander Eisner. I'm joined today by the always funny, always well-dressed Mr. Sean Steele. Yeah, I, 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 Alex really creates quite a tension and a burden around here. So he's the only person <laughs> I know that wears a suit jacket all day long inside an office. And so uh, we've had to step up our game around here. And so uh, kind of like a fashion. fashion <clears throat> but folks, we got the anonymous adjuster. This is exciting, good stuff. Uh, this woman uh, presented to, to our advanced seminar last uh, fall and just 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 shook the rafters. I mean, not only was it cogent, important, crucial information about what happens in the mind and the life of an insurance company and adjusters, and a lot of interesting tricks, devices, things that I didn't even know about. But also, she's funny. She's got she's got great stories, and she's she's fearless. I'm sure right now, insurance company executives are trying to find out who this woman is so they can try to blackball her. She's, she's out of state. And uh, she pr pretty much lives off the grid, I'm thinking, except when she's doing yeah. claims work. Uh, yeah. So she's careful <laughs> to make sure that she's not followed by by mysterious blacks and hands. <laughs> and uh, in Arizona, you know, it's open carry, so she's uh, she's well protected, all, <laughs> well protected all the time. So we're just thankful that she joined us. Uh, what we do is that we record this, so this is available to every single doctor that uh, wants to see what's going on here. Uh, and, and get a copy of this. Uh, secondly, she'll answer questions. The best way to do that is to contact me straight ahead, John Steele at SeanSteele.com. She'll answer any question in the world, but you have to email it, otherwise I won't see it. Sean Steele at SeanSteele.com. Uh, thirdly, uh, Alex has really put a good program together. He's taking charge of a lot of these, uh, a lot of these uh, video Zoom presentations. Uh, he's doing a comprehensive job. Uh, it's been a busy time for him. He's got trials coming out of his ears, uh, and he's just battling them like, uh, is it Delilah and Samson? That's not a good example, is it? David and Goliath. Yeah, David and Goliath. Yeah, that's much better. Yeah, Delilah, she was a good person. <laughs> I think. So. Well, I appreciate all of that uh, that introduction, Sean. And uh, Madam Adjuster, <laughs> thank you so much. I mirror Sean's, uh, Sean's welcome. <clears throat> thank you for being back with us. This is your second time on the podcast. Uh, and, uh, and, and Sean's right. We did have you recently uh, at our advanced seminar, uh, live in person, uh, which was, uh, which was incredibly amazing. Uh, the doctors there were so thankful to have you. Uh, so I want to again, extend my thanks for that. Uh, but welcome, welcome back. Thank you to both of you. I am totally honored to be asked back and, I'm going to actually hijack this really quick. For those of you chiropractors and other professionals that are listening, um, you really need to, those of you that were at the conference last November, I want you to grab a colleague that you know has room to grow or wants to grow or needs to grow and get them to come to the, to the 2023 Sean Steele conference because the reality is what happened there, I think, elevated anybody who took the time was you know, I, by anyone who was there and just being there, it was really awesome. And I was honored to be invited, but I think that the number one thing, if I could say one thing that everybody heard today, come to the conference with a colleague that didn't come last year, build this event, because I think it was really worth attending. The other speakers inspired me. And I think Sean and Alex 
and the firm and their support staff have such a vision for where they want to take this. You know, that get was- on board, be it be an early adapter. <laughs> That's very, very sweet of you. Uh, this year's conference uh, date announcement, big announcement, November 11th. It will be held where, Sean? It's going to be held right next to Disneyland. In other words, Disneyland adjacent. Disneyland <laughs> adjacent. That's like being uh, the assistant director or the assistant to the director. Yeah, uh, really, it's really close. Very close to the same thing. Uh, yeah, so we're we're gonna have a great time, uh, and and the idea being that uh, we're just across the street, so you can make a weekend out of it, bring family and and uh, and come down and have a good time, learn a little PI, get your CE credits out of the way. Um, but uh, but our anonymous adjuster has has uh, is our is one of our first guaranteed locked in speakers for the event. We're very excited uh, that she's gonna be with us. But uh, to not take up too much time with uh, with pleasantries, I want to jump right in. Uh, Madam Adjuster, I want to jump right in. So what is new since we spoke with you last in the world of insurance, in the world of PI, in the world of claims made by chiropractors? I mean, tell us what's the latest, what's going on right now? I think the number one thing that I'm noticing across the industry is that every, even medium-sized companies now, not just the giants, even the medium-sized insurance companies are obtaining learning training and adapting to some form of Mitchell product. And I think that it needs to be spoken of and that these providers and uh, professionals need to be aware of the tools that these big insurance companies are employing. And so, so just to, just to back up and, and, and speak, uh, speak for, for everybody who maybe uh, doesn't know what that is, what's a Mitchell product? Well, let's use two big companies, for example. I've worked for two larger insurance companies, and both have a product that is intended to be a calibration tool for third-party evaluations for the injury portion of the claim. Basically, medical records are submitted to the system that the insurance company uh, purchases a model of, And those medical records are then, for example, Mitchell automatically calibrates. Whatever Mitchell product it is, calibrates for a chiropractor. Let's make it really specific. They're going to look at the chiropractor's billing package. For the first two weeks, they'll allow any back-to-back visits. After that, they'll automatically reduce and not pay for a back-to-back visit. After six weeks, they won't pay for any hot or cold packs, no matter how it's coded. After 12 weeks, Mitchell is going to reduce for everything unless there's an override or, you know, some kind of coded further instruction, if you will. So Mitchell is an automated bill reduction uh, system and and, and a uh, using some AI technology. It goes correct intended to calibrate the entire insurance industry as to how all companies respond to the injury portion. That is exactly right. And it's supposed to be, like you're using the word calibrate, I assume to mean that it'll be hopefully the same, no matter if I'm going to State Farm or Allstate or GEICO, it's it's hopefully going to be streamlined and, and the same. Let me give you a quick little analogy and then we can move forward. Mitchell is the head. All state is one arm. State Farm is, is one arm. Geico is an arm. Uh, you know, Farmers is a leg. Uh, 
USA. And so Mitchell is the head and Mitchell is teaching whatever Mitchell product each big company has purchased is teaching the other companies through a calibrated AI system how to respond to differentiated providers. For example, Mitchell is going to say chiropractic should only be uh, addressed for six weeks, period, end of subject, square box. Everyone should fit in it. And who and who who creates these? I mean, who's the Mitchell overlord that that decides these things? Each employee at the large insurance company is responsible, trained, and then retrained on how to reduce and again calibrate. It really is the word that is used. You're teaching Mitchell what to accept and what not to accept so that Mitchell thinks faster for you on the next claim. Does that make sense? Does it work adjuster by adjuster or insurance company by insurance? Like, like, like would you have your own Mitchell? No, insurance company by insurance company. Good question. Got it. So if that, if, if State Farm decided that they're not accepting any chiropractic treatment after six weeks, then it doesn't matter what adjuster the claim gets handled by. If, if, it, if Mitchell sees a, a bill from a chiropractor at seven weeks, it's going gonna, it's gonna to reject it automatically. The precedent has been set. There's our legal term. The precedent has been set because Mitchell paid on it one time at six weeks. So now we're going to push every insurance adjuster is taught to push for that lowest calibration payment to pay only what we owe and not a penny more. So that parlays nicely into where I was going, which is, okay, so so that's that's the world we live in mm-hmm. increasingly scarier AI deciding what bills are, are going to be accepted and not. And I imagine okay. that the that the lazy adjuster doesn't do a heck of a lot of tweaking of what Mitchell tells it. It just said they, the lazy adjuster sees, okay, Mitchell accepted this amount of meds. So that's the amount of meds. And they're not delving into individual billing codes and overriding Mitchell. They're just saying, all right, the meds are this. And so that's what, that's what have been accepted. So then what would you say to a chiropractor? And there are many here listening and many more that will listen uh, when the podcast airs uh, on the podcast platform. What could, a, what could a chiropractor be doing now that would significantly increase the amount of their bills that are accepted by Mitchell moving forward? Like if there's one thing you could say, hey, if, you, if they would just start doing this, this would have a radical impact on the number or percentage of their bills that are accepted. What, what would that be? I'm going to ask permission to mention two because the first one is a shameless plug. Granted. Start having the conversation, showing up to the podcast showing up to the November conference where you are committing to your CEs for the year. Commit to learn what other people are doing so that you understand the rules that are against you and the rules that are for you. Number two, when you are presenting a billing package to whatever law firm is working with your patient, make sure that you go through that billing package and do the little things, shine it, check for pronouns, check and make sure that there's no duplicate billing. Because if the adjuster, let's use, let's use therapy terms. If the adjuster is triggered by your unbundling or your perceived attempt to overbill or pad your bill, 
they're going to get out the sword instead of the butcher knife. So be be ethical and integral about what you submit so that you don't cause the unknown stranger who's paying your bill to bristle at an unintended misstep. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, it's so tempting. I, I totally get it. I mean, you've got, you've got all these patients and all these, all this paperwork, and it's just easy to copy the narrative from this one and paste it in the report from that one. Cause they're pretty much the same. And you change one sentence and then you click submit and it's, you know, the pronouns are wrong and you, know, you got one data service from three years before the accident that slipped in there. And uh, like, you know, it's just sloppy it's not fraud. No one's trying. It's not intentional. No, but it's, but look at what the perception would be. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a, of course. And you know, it's, it's the same. Um, I'm a, I, I teach at the at Loyola law school now. And mm-hmm. it's something I try to tell my students is when you're, when you're writing an exam, either for me or, or for the, the bar exam, you want to make it as easy as humanly possible for your grader to give you points. It's a human being grading this. You understand, not a computer. Give that person every opportunity to give you the points as opposed to giving them reasons not to. And it's the same with an adjuster. You're submitting. Absolutely. You're submitting. hundred percent. You think I'm just submitting it to some nameless corporation and some computer system, but you're, there's a human being that is tasked with looking at this. And if you make their job easy, and you don't put up any red flags, that that has to be something that will increase the likelihood of your bills getting paid. 100%. Bridge into your next point, please. I will too. I will <laughs> thank you for keeping me on track. Um, I will bridge into my next point. Which is, of course, um, talking about those adjusters, and I, and I, and I, I, touched on it a second ago, that that maybe are, lazy is a strong term, but you mm-hmm. clearly are an adjuster that is on it, right? You're clearly one that is not just accepting whatever Mitchell spits out at you, but really looking at the individual billing codes, the case by case, did the narrative explain why this person might need additional this or additional that? But, but for every one of you, there has got to be some not use. And right. so- but and and insofar as that's just as likely, if not more likely, to pop up for somebody than than someone like you. I mean, how do you get through to somebody like that? I mean, what what's something that they could do that somebody like that would would even be be susceptible to? So I'm going to take this moment again to reflect back to that November conference. Those that really weren't there, you missed this. But I mentioned something like this in November um, when a chiropractor is presenting not just the billing package, not just the what we did at each visit, not just the soap notes, but if you take the time to recognize that you are telling the story of your patient who is a stranger to the adjuster and a stranger to everybody that's looking at the file, and the better you tell that story, the better you explain your decisions as their provider, And the more you use phrases like, we discussed and the patient decided, the patient chose, the patient directed our course of care based on their slower recovery due to 
uh, pre-diabetic, whatever. And, you know, if you tell the adjuster in your narrative, take the 20 minutes that it's going to take to edit, create, make a template for yourself, whatever. But don't send in handwritten soap notes that are going to make the adjuster want to gouge your eyes out with a rusty pitchfork. Don't send in a, a, don't slap a bunch of numbers on a paper and expect an adjuster to say, oh, this chiropractor really cared. You know, let the adjuster know what your role was in this person's recovery. The most common question I took after the conference in November was, why does the adjuster reduce the chiropractor's bills and they don't reduce the ortho and the neuro's bills? And my response was, because the ortho and the neuro tell the detailed story about how the patient got to their office and what happened when they left their office. And the chiropractor often feels stepped on because they were the first provider and not the quote unquote most important provider. Dude, One of the delve, most important things into that. Delve deeper into what, what do you what do you mean the ortho is talking about what happens before and after they got there that the chiropractor doesn't <clears throat> explain mechanically? What do you mean by that? For example, if the chiropractor does an intake that includes, let me reflect on a recent claim. Um, the injured person comes to the chiropractor's office with a pre-existing, let's use scoliosis, um, that is well-managed and well-controlled, but the accident has caused this pre-existing condition to exacerbate things. The chiropractor is not going to be able to get this person with a pre-existing condition out of pain, are they? We're probably going to have an ortho visit. The scoliosis person that suffers with scoliosis, the injured party, is probably going to have an ortho right? So the chiropractor's whole billing package almost gets scooched aside and whatever Mitchell says goes, if you will. And the ortho package is looked at because oftentimes the chiropractor doesn't explain to the adjuster why they were the most important provider. They chose you first. They came to you first because we believed we could accomplish X, Y, Z. Over a six-week course of care, we accomplished two of our six goals, and the patient had to refer to ortho for pain or pain management or whatever. When the chiropractor says what happened before the patient got there, while they were there, and why they didn't resolve the care, why they had to refer to a specialist, the adjuster is going to see that person as a more vital part of the team that needs to be indemnified more wholly and not have their bills hacked so much. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course it does. I and 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 <laughs> to parlay nicely into the into something else I wanted to talk about. When you're talking about orthos and you're talking about pain management uh, docs and you're talking about chiropractors, one thing that I that that really got me thinking, and I know it got a lot of hands in the audience raised at the seminar, was when you spoke about the possibility of uh, doctors collaborating with one another, a chiropractor talking with an orthopedist about, about treatment about a PI patient, uh, this, you know, the patient that they're, they're working on together. 
everybody in the audience was shocked, I think, to hear you say that that was not only something that was permissible and allowed, but that it could potentially even be looked favorably upon by uh, by the adjuster. Can you speak to that? Sure. Um, it, you know, the only analogy that comes to my mind is the group of kindergartners that plays well on the playground together. You know, it, the reality is, why wouldn't a chiropractor expect an ortho to respect that they have just as many years of education, just as many heavy as a patient load, just as big of a practice, just because they practice different areas of medicine, why can't they collaborate and create a complementary, balanced solution for the injured party? Why can't they make in a, a, a legal medical platform, why can't we create something that my family has long called the platinum rule? Here's the reality. I could care less what, jo you know, Jessica needs, because if John needs what John needs, we need to give John what he needs, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. No, do unto others as they need. Do unto others as a unique individual. Consider equity, not equality, because adjusters are taught that all of the time now. Mitchell teaches, focuses, and calibrates to equality. But what chiropractors and other providers need to do is push for equity. There should not be a square peg for every patient. Take off the framework. Look at our patient as an individual. We worked together. Join our team. Get this resolved with us. When an adjuster is approached with written documents that say all of these people have collaborated, it, I know this sounds a little psychology wise, but psychology, goofy, crazy, whatever, but it makes the adjuster's brain want to resolve this claim. All of these people have worked so hard. This person got their ass out of the chiropractor's office by the grace of God. And they had one visit with a pain management doctor. And then we redirected and whatever, and everybody talked. And now the person feels like they can move on with their life. That collaboration should be documented. That collaboration should be happening because when it does, it sets the example for the adjuster at the insurance company to say, I want to play too. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I, I mean, I, I I don't see it very often, but on maybe bigger cases, but seeing documented evidence of just picking up the phone and calling <laughs> over to Dr. Ortho's office. And 15 saying, hey, minutes. Right. And just saying, this is chiropractor, John, and I referred over my patient and I just wanted 90 seconds of your time to talk to you about him because it's a special case. And here's why I did this and I did that. And I was thinking maybe you could look at this and look at that. Then the orthopedist would say, yeah, I'll take a look at that and I'll refer them back to you. That couple of minute phone call, and then you documented in your in your notes that, hey, I spoke with the orthopedist and we came up with a game plan for how we're going to handle this patient moving forward to get them the best outcome. You got like five minutes worth of a conversation and two sentences in a report. And now instead of it being two disjunct doctors, you've got a triage team 
You've got a team working to, to resolve the claim of an injured person, not and dis- now let's- desperate, disparate uh, parties all working separately, potentially at the you know puppeting uh, of, of a PI attorney who knows what their motives are. Now you've got people who's, who, at least on paper, appear to have only one motive, and that's to get this person better. And it builds that equity in each provider's value. Each provider had a very different role in the recovery, but they aren't better, worse, less or more than the others. And it creates the conversation of, why don't we just focus all of our solutions on the patient and then everyone's going to win? That's that's a a, a a utopian world. I like to. I <laughs> We're like aiming to, for it. I Let's build be, it. If you build should, it, they will come. <laughs> we can build together. Uh, last question uh, for you, and we never have enough time with you. But the last question, and I want to take a little right turn and talk about something that's a little scary, and, and I've seen it happen. So I want to see if maybe you can shed some light on it. Is what it is that some DCs are doing, and I mean the well-meaning DCs, not mm-hmm. not people who are obviously doing something intentionally wrong. I don't think any of those people are listening to this, but, <laughs> but somebody who is intentional, not unintentional, I mean, trying to do it right. And their case, either one-off or m- multiple cases end up in the SIU in the special investigations unit. Uh, it's been red flagged by Mitchell or by whatever other AI software as, as potential fraud or potential something's not right. What are you seeing that DCs are doing, well-meaning DCs, that accidentally get their names or their cases sent to that unit? This is not a five-minute answer and probably should be addressed first the next time I speak because it's probably a 10 to 15-minute answer. But here is the, I, I hope, surprising answer. I want you to understand it's not the special investigation unit that creates the referral for the suspected fraudulent behavior. It is the National Institutes of Crime Bureau that reports it to the SIU, and it goes into what is called the ISO system, the insurance, everyone can have access to the ISO system. And once the NICB reports a name, an office, a phone number, an address, anything, what the SIU department does is build the Venn diagrams. How does this chiropractor overlap with this fraudulent uh, attorney and this whatever and this person that have been on our radar for months and months, and we've been watching them have um, questionable ethics in their billing practices, questionable ethics. Most often, the well-meaning chiropractor inadvertently gets themselves connected with a law firm or a larger practice or someone else that is being investigated for something that happened months before. And once their name is in the system, then they put it in and make the points match like a dot to dot. So you're saying if they were to just work with ethical law firms, firm. Exactly what I'm saying. 
then- choose and and here this is really important and let me let me say this really carefully there is an ethical way for an attorney to refer their client to a chiropractor and there is an ethical way for a chiropractor to say to a patient if you need an attorney i know one i trust and when those lines of ethical referrals are not crossed siu could give a rip how yep. you found each other but you're find also, the people who practice ethically you're also suggesting it sounds like to me guilt by association and i i believe that's awfully true it could be even just a random MD that's got a bad <laughs> reputation, chiropractor doesn't know, maybe the lawyer doesn't know. For some reason- Maybe not guilt by association, Sean, but certainly heavy investigation by association, yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I call it, I, I make it easier and, and less, <laughs> less, less subtle. Uh, so <laughs> we have to check every single MD our clients are seeing, because as far as I'm concerned, MDs work for the chiropractor unless they're doing the surgery and then that's a different relationship. But if they're evaluating only, they're doing it at the request of the chiropractor. But again, you got to be careful who you work with because the algorithms today have no personality. They just simply put putting A to B to C together and then they spit out a report saying, watch this one closely. What I didn't, what I just learned from you, and I know we're running out of time, is that I didn't realize that most of this comes from the NCIB, National Crime Insurance Bureau. And then the local yes, SIU affiliate picks it up and fleshes it in. That is an amazing takeaway. Alex, I see a big article coming out of that. that that's very important information. I can't wait to read it. Um, so, so... Uh... So uh, anyway, Sean is right. We are out of time. I normally keep a copy of a book that I think you should read right here on my table. Sean, do you have one where you can hold it up? Uh, uh, he's got four of them right there. Yeah, we, we, we got him here, guys. The All the intelligent chiropractor's guide to survival. Look at that guy on the cover. <laughs> uh, it, is, uh, it is available now on Amazon. It's like a dollar on Kindle. It's like 20 bucks if you buy it direct to you, a uh, hard soft cover. There's a hard back as well. If you if you pick one up and bring it to a seminar, we'll sign it for you. It is the only book uh, we looked before we wrote it that uh, that uh, that actually speaks directly to uh, personal injury and it, to for chiropractors how to navigate it ethically. It actually says ethics right on the cover, um, and uh, and I think that that's an inc incredibly powerful word uh, that, uh, that our adjuster friend just used and that we should all sort of take with us into our practices for the rest it's of also the popular at uh, Southern California university. Yes. And, uh, and it's also popular at uh, life West now. So we have a professor up there that liked it so much that he suggested strongly that his students buy such a copy. Being, being sold in multiple bookstores uh, and on Amazon as well. This podcast, obviously available on YouTube and on uh, wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget to check our website, seanfield.com slash events to see where we're speaking next. Uh, and the November 11th uh, seminar, the uh, it's the save the date. It's not available for uh, purchase tickets yet, but it, it will be soon. Save the date. Our adjuster uh, friend will be there. Uh, Madam Anonymous Adjuster, thank you so much, <laughs> as always, for being here. We really, really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks. Good night.